Hello, and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. Can I ask you if you've got your Bibles, which you should have, either as a physical Bible or as a handheld device, can I ask you all to bring out your Bible app? Every one. Is there anyone that hasn't got a Bible? Everyone's got a Bible. Great. Can I ask you to open to Mark chapter 8? When you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say wait for me. Amen. Are we all there? If you're not there, say wait for me. Let's go to verse 24 and 25. Can I borrow your mic, please? Thank you. Who's there? Mark chapter 8, verse 24 and 25. Amen. You would like to read? Great. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Okay. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Amen. So I'm going to ask you a question based on those two verses that you've read. Which one is your preference? 25. Why is that? What's the key word? Clearly. Amen. Okay. What, verse, what version is that? Does somebody else have another version? You have the good news. Please read the good news. The man looked up and said, yes, I can see people, but they look like trees walking about. Jesus again placed his hands on the man's eyes. This time the man looked intensely. His eyesight returned, and he saw everything clearly. Which verse do you prefer? 25. 25. And why is that? Um, because it's essentially like the cure. It's what Jesus did afterwards. It's the cure. That's the final bit. Amen. So can we agree that everyone prefers verse 25? Is there anyone that prefers verse 24? No? Great. So we're all in agreement. Now, the other question I'm going to ask us here is, you know, there are four seasons in the year. Well, that's what I thought until somebody at work the other day said there's five seasons. And his qualification of the fifth season is when in UK you have all the seasons in a day. So that was a joke. But if someone was to ask, what season of the year do you prefer? Okay, okay, let's, let's take it one step. How many of us prefer the summer? Okay. How many of us prefer winter? Okay, it's all right, I'll stand with you, right? 
right? How many of us prefer the autumn and spring? Rock. So, we know that the summer is a winner, right? <laughs> to the point that someone wants to go back to India because it's warmer there, right? But, you know, the point is, right, when you ask people why they prefer summer, you hear things like, it's warm, it's clearer, you have longer days, you can do more. And people, yes, you hear that. People are happier, your skin is nicer, people are able to wear whatever they want to wear and, you know, they're not having to wear winter clothes because, you know, they can show off all their African or English wares, whatever it is. Yeah? But, you know, the Bible also talks about seasons. And the Bible t tells us that we should walk while it is yet day. Because the night time soon comes that man cannot work again. Now, physically, that is true. But spiritually, that is also true. But, you know, when people say, I prefer the summer, there is a reason why God has given us all the other seasons of the year. Isn't that true? If we didn't need it, he wouldn't give it to us. But the beauty of God is that even though we're in winter, right? Like that verse, the verse 25, even though we're in winter, God wants to give us the clarity of summer for us to be able to walk through the other seasons of the year. And he's made it available to us in his word. So you might be in winter, and like what dad said earlier on, what are you going through? What is the situation in your life that you're going through? To you, that might be a winter. Because the winter time, right, is when you find everyone walking down the streets and they're so cold, bitterly cold to the point that sometimes your ears, your nose, your hands are so painful. The winter time is when it's so cold, it hurts to even get out of bed sometimes because you're dreading what the weather will be like out there. And when it snows and there's black ice, there's so many accidents. But in our lives, there will be winter times. There will be times when things don't go the way we want it to go. There will be times when we'll be in pain. There are times when we'll be out of jobs. There are times when situations will happen with our marriage, with our children, with our family members, with our friends. But God wants to give us the clarity of summer, even in those winter times. And he's made it available for us. You know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, it's not always going to be summer. You know, last week... I went for a class, 
The class is called LBT. For those who go to the gym, they know it's called legs, bums, and toms. And what I did was decided to go right to the back of the class. And I used to do it years ago. And I used to be able to, you know, after about 15 minutes, you know you can, you know, you can synchronize with the class. But I found for the 45 minutes, when they were going this way, I was going the other way. Because I'm not, my body is not as agile as it used to be. I'm now forcing my body to do something that I should have got it accustomed to years ago. One other scenario I'll give you. Last week was quite frosty, wasn't it? Now, I set myself up to leave home a certain time of the day. And I left home that time only to get outside and my windscreen was frosty. I wanted to take the shortcut. So what do I do? I get a bottle of water from the boat and I poured it on. But guess what? It got frostier. Do you know why? Because I didn't take time to consider that. But not only that, could I drive with a frosted window? No. And that's why that blind man said, I see human beings like trees. There's no clarity. And when there's no clarity, what happens? Things take longer. It costs us money. We make mistakes because we're only, we've got a tunnel vision. Irritation soon sets in because we're not wanting, we're not getting the answers as, you know, as quickly as we want to. We end up saying the wrong things. We do the wrong things. And that could lead to strife. It could lead to unforgiveness. So how important is it that we have a 2020 vision? And that's my message for us today. A 2020 vision through the lenses of the Lord Jesus Christ. So can we read that scripture again? Can we read it from verse 22, please? Amen. Mark Amen. 8, 22 to 25. To 26, actually. 26, Thank you. Sorry. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on them, he asked, he asked him if he saw anything. And he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Amen. Right, so if we back up a little bit, back to verse 23. When I read this, the first question that came to mind is, why? Now we know over accounts. Okay, let me back up just a little bit further. Now, 
But see, Bethsaida is one of those towns or villages along the Jordan. Now, we know from reading our scriptures that God, Jesus had spent time, you know, in a lot of these towns, teaching the word of God, preaching the word of God, and also healing people, right? His primary purpose on life was to do what? To teach, to teach, to preach, and to heal. So he had spent a lot of time, and during this period was when he healed, fed the 4,000, he had fed the 5,000, and if you back up even on that same chapter, he had an encounter with the Pharisees, which he always does anyway, because they are, they're always after him, wanting to back him into a corner. They were demanding a sign, and he said, I am not going to give you a sign, because you're always wanting a sign, always wanting a miracle. Now, if you know the word, and you know how to apply the word, you don't need a miracle, because you've already got that miracle. And that is why, you know, unfortunately, you find a lot of people running after this deliverance minister, that deliverance minister. But you can do it yourself if you know the word of God. You know, they say it's best to teach someone how to fish than to give them fish. If you give someone a fish, they would always come back for more. If you teach someone how to fish, they will fish for themselves. So, question is, why did Jesus take the man out of the village to go and heal him? Why could he not do it there in the presence of everyone? Now, this is an account that I read. It says, according to Matthew eleven twenty one, Jesus cursed the city for its lack of believing in him, despite the mighty works that he had done. John Wesley's suggestion was that Jesus escorted the man out of the town before healing him in his displeasure against the inhabitants of the village for their unbelief. So, it begs the question, when they brought this blind man to Jesus, what was their expectation? Were they doing it in faith or were they doing it because they wanted to see the signs that they were asking about? Now, there's something unique about touch. There's something unique about showing love. But there's also something very unique about having a one-on-one -on -one encounter with God. So, it's a possibility that Jesus took him out so that he can have a one-on-one -on -one without the naysayers around. And in our lives as well, it's important that we have that one-on-one -on -one connection. There are times that we lock ourselves away and say, Lord, it is just me and you today. When Jacob had that encounter with God and he had a limp, it was because he had a one-on-one -on -one encounter. 
And if the Bible tells us that Jesus often went to a solitary place to pray, why not me and you? We need to take time out. If we want answers, there are times, we, you know, we live in a world that is so busy. And, you know, every single day of our lives, we can, we can fill in with different activities. So it's important that we consciously make efforts to spend time with God. Now, this man was blind physically. But some of us are blind spiritually. And we need the touch, not just the one touch, but we need the second touch, even sometimes the third touch. What this man went through, we call it a progressive healing. Maybe the first time Jesus touched him was, you know, to inject a little bit of faith into him, you know, to ignite that fire. And if you really read this account, for someone to say, I see people walking like trees, that actually tells us that he was not blind from birth. Otherwise, he would not recognize that they are people. He would say they're trees. If he knew what trees looked like. So that means that at some point, he lost his sight. And sometimes, with us, there are times that we lose our spiritual sight. But what do we do when that happens? Jesus' arms are always open wide. And that is why when the prodigal son left and he came back, his father received him with arms open wide. This guy we know from the scripture was not born blind. Now, when Jesus finally healed him and he saw clearly, Jesus said he should not go back to the village. Now, Jesus did not tell him not to tell anyone. He just said, don't go back to that village. And you know, there are times, and I've, you know, read a lot about this in terms of, you know, when I listen to Brother Higgins, you know, tapes or, you know, messages, where people would receive their healing in a line of prayer, only for them to get home or to go back weeks or months later, and they're back to square one. So I believe that the reason Jesus said to him, don't go back into the village, is between the time that he left Jesus and got back to his home, for him to, for, for him to allow that to really sink in. To the point that when somebody now approaches him, he is confident in the healing that he has received. 
I call it that Damascus experience. I know that I know that I know. And what I know, that personal encounter cannot be taken away by any naysayer. Jesus pulled him out of a village of unbelief. And every point in our lives, be it friends, be it co-workers, there are times God wants to pull us out of the areas of naysayers. Especially if we're not standing on solid ground. There's another scripture that I would want us to read. First King, First Kings, <laughs> chapter 3. You know, just to say that, you know, someone said, why did Jesus have to spit in his eyes? You know, Jesus is not um, tied to any methodology when it comes to healing. One day he could spit in someone's eyes. The next time he could take mud. And that just goes to show that you cannot box up our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why sometimes when you look at even ministers of God and say, Oh, because somebody used a handkerchief, that's going to be my method. That's fine if that's what God has asked you to do. But if that's not what God's asked you to do, then there wouldn't be results. First Kings chapter 3. If you start from the beginning, and we'll stop on the way. First Kings 3. Amen. Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter. Then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father. Finish that verse. verse Except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Amen. So what I've got there in my notice, he was doing the right thing wrongly. But you see, God knows the heart of each and every one of us. And sometimes we could be doing the right thing wrongly. But because God knows our hearts, what he will do is find people that would help us to realign, show us that what we're doing is not his will. God does not condemn because of that. And let's read on. You'll see what happens. Verse now, 4 and 5, please. Now the king of Gibeon to sacrifice, went to sacrifice there. For that was the great high place. Amen. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Amen. Solomon said, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father, because he walked before 
you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of, of heart with you. You have continued this, kind, um, this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as, as it is to this day. Now, O oh, oh my Lord God, you have made your servant king instead of my father David, but I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in, and your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Amen. I mean, see the level of humility. I mean, he's, he says, you, my Lord God, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father. You know, <laughs> let's be real with ourselves. If God was to appear to us in a dream and say, ask what you want. Come on, what are some of the things you would ask for? Let's be honest. Money? Wisdom? Anointing? Divine health? Yeah? But the, let's face it, the majority of people would ask for physical things. At one point, yes, I would ask for physical things. Because those are my needs. You would want, you know, you want to live comfortably. And those are the things that would readily come to your mind. Especially if it's in a dream. <laughs> Someone will probably say, yeah, that I win the lottery, even though I don't play it. So there's this level of humility. It says, I am a child, a little child. And I do not know how to go out or how to come in. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, those who labor, labor in vain. What we do, we only do it by the grace of God. I stand here, I say, I do not qualify to do what I do. But it's the grace of God. And that is why, as a man of God, as a woman of God, if God does not go with us, we ain't going nowhere. Because no amount of study, if there isn't an anointing of God upon it, the hearts of men and women will not be touched. You know, what Solomon in effect is saying here is, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, let them be acceptable to you, my Lord, my God, my King. You've given me all these people to rule over. I don't know how to do it. And unless you help me, I am set up for failure. Let's, verse 10. Let's carry on. 
see what the result is. Amen. Amen. Verse 10. The speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have asked this thing and have not asked for long life for yourself, nor have you asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked the life of your en- for the life of your enemies, mm-hmm. but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern justice. Amen. Behold, I have done according to your words. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there has not been anyone like you before before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked for. Amen. Both riches and honor. So there shall be not like, there, there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. Hallelujah. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, my commandments, as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. Amen. Then Solomon awoke, and indeed, it had been a dream. And he came. And I pray this will not be a dream. It will be a reality in the lives of each and every one of us in the name of Jesus. You know, Bible says that he will give you houses that you did not build. But the thing is, he will give you wisdom. He will give you knowledge. He will give you understanding. Because these are all our inheritance in Christ Jesus. These things have been made available for each and every one of us. Now, the thing is, when you ask of God, and I've been through this, you know, years ago when I was going through some stuff, and I, Lord, just help me. I just want to forgive that person. I want to let go. And, (laughs) you know, God has a really good sense of humor. If you say, Lord, I want to be able to forgive that person that you hardly see. You know, oh yeah, I don't see the person. I've forgiven them. You know what God does? Exactly. So when God, when you ask God for something, you would have multiple, multiple of opportunities to actually test out your prayer requests. And that's what happened with Solomon in verse 16. Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. And one woman said, Oh my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened, the third day after I had given birth, that this woman also gave birth, and we were together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And the woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him under her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead. But when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, no, by the living, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king, and the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. Then the king said, bring me a sword. 
So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to one and half to the other. Amen. I mean, this, this decision will pull at the heart of anyone's integrity or even honesty. Now, <laughs> it can only take wisdom and the wisdom of God for Solomon to think that way. Now, in these days, we've got what? We go and do a DNA test, find out whose child it is. But in those days, they didn't have those medical facilities. So it was a case of arguments. It's your son, it's not my son, it's my son, it's not your son. Whoever could scream the loudest. But God gave Solomon that wisdom. And sometimes when people speak with the wisdom of God, it seems like foolishness. How can you ask for a sword to be brought and you attempt to cut a child into two? One's already dead. So basically, what you're attempting to do is kill the other one. <laughs> you know, <laughs> reading that, you know, if you look at it with your carnal mind, you think how stupid that is. It doesn't take rocket science for you to know that once you, once you put a sword through a child, the child's dead. So you have two dead babies there with no one having to claim a living child. But the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. Let's read verse 26. Amen. Verse 26. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son and said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child and by no means kill him. But Amen. You know, this woman also spoke with wisdom. Because when you look at it, her process thoughts was, okay, if he kills this other child, there'll be no child. But if he spares the child, even if this child lives with the woman that is not his mother, he will still grow up. Why should I take life out of a child just because I want to keep him? God, a king, let this child live. Let her have the child. And you know, I read it and I thought, no matter what state of life you're in, no matter what your situation is, your heart could still be open to receive the wisdom of God. Whoever you are, as long as your heart is receptive, you can still receive that wisdom from God. Carry on. 27. Um, oh. But the other said, yep. let him be neither mine nor yours, but mm. divide him. So the king answered and said, give the first woman the living child and by no means kill him. She is his mother. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had rendered. And they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Hallelujah. Amen. The wisdom of God was within him 
to administer justice. You know, if you back up, it says, I am just a little child. But as long as you know the Lord God, age is irrelevant. As long as you have a relationship with God, as long as you're walking with God and you have the spirit of God that is within you, age is irrelevant. It's your walk with God that matters. And I would like to believe that there are so many people that were much older than King Solomon. But God allowed him to administer justice because of the wisdom that he asked for. You know, wisdom allows you to see clearly and it allows you to make the right decisions. Wisdom is what allows you to turn a situation that is little into calmness. When Paul and Silas were in prison, doomed for death, and they turned around singing praises, dancing in the midnight hour, to any ordinary person, that seemed like foolishness. Why would you not be begging for your life? Why are you singing? Why are you praising God? When Daniel opened the window and prayed out loud against the instructions of, of the king, that was the wisdom of God on the inside of him. Because he knew who he was. Wisdom was what saved Rahab, the prostitute. Wisdom. Seeing clearly. 2020 vision. You know, oftentimes, and you know, I'm so grateful to God. So, so grateful. Because oftentimes, we hear one side of a story and we're wrong with it. And then we hear the other end of the story later, later on. Probably after things would have got bad and spoiled and ruined relationships. 2020 vision. Seeing the whole picture. You know, there's, there's one of the directors in the workplace that I work now. And, you know, I, I, I've caught dad's bug. I say hello to everybody and anybody. I <laughs> and every time I get in the lift in the morning, he comes in really early as well. I come in early. And, you know, you get in the lift. He's standing there and I'm standing there. And I press the lift. I know he's going to the third floor, which is the exec floor. And I press the lift. And I say, good morning. And the guy's staring at me. And for as long as I've been there, almost a year now, if I meet him in the lift and I say good morning, he doesn't answer. And that had really been bugging me. So a few weeks ago, I, I came in. We were coming into the main building together. I held the door open for him. I said, good morning. What do you expect him to say? Thank you. Oh, good morning. 
not a dicky board. And I'm thinking, really? But you know how your mind plays on you. Is it that he doesn't like black people? Is it that he doesn't like women? You know, or is it that he feels that I'm too low down the chain of management? But these are things that the enemy plays on your mind. So I started doing something. I started praying for him. Because I said, no. You know what? The enemy would not rob me of my peace over this situation. I've been down this road before. And God brought me on top. So I'm going to do it again. So I started praying for him. And I started praying for him. So I think on Thursday, as I came, I went to the, came into the building, and myself and the receptionist tend to have a little chat. So I said, Doreen, can I ask you a question? I said, so, 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 I mentioned his name. I said, I just noticed that when I say hello to him, he doesn't answer. I said, you've been here, what, 10 years? I said, is there any reason that you, guess what she said? You know what? I just thought, wow. He's deaf. So, now, the point is, the point is, I could have sat in my pity party corner making judgments that he doesn't like me, he doesn't like black people, he doesn't like women, and I could have just held on to that. Not seeing the bigger picture. Not having clarity. Not having a 2020 vision. I decided to ask somebody that I know, knows him very well. And she said, you know what, he's such a lovely person. He said, but when you want to communicate with him, Make sure you make eye contact. That way, he can read your lips. My point here is, we run with, you know, with assumptions. Wisdom. Wisdom was what made Ruth latch on to Naomi. When her sister-in-law went back home, and we know the result of that, she got her boas. Wisdom would what will make you keep quiet when you should boil over. Would you rather be right or would you be reconciled? Wisdom. Everything that would amount to anything in life requires the wisdom of God. The Bible says Solomon asked for insight. Now, insight is a revelation of a situation. Wisdom 
is knowing how to deal with the revelation of the situation. I'll repeat that again. Insight is a revelation of a situation. Wisdom is knowing how to deal with the revelation of the situation. You can have insight and not have the wisdom on how to deal with it. I've come to learn and to understand that it's not everything that you see that you talk about. And there's a time, there's a right time. You could say the right thing at the wrong time. Wisdom. Wisdom. Have I been burnt? Oh, yeah. I have been burnt. But in my being burnt, I've had to learn. And I continue to learn. Wisdom. Proverbs 4, 6 and 7, it says, Do not forsake her, wisdom, and she will keep you. It says, love her, and she will guide you. It says, the beginning of wisdom is this. It says, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Ecclesiastes 2.26 puts it this way. He says, for to the one who pleases God, he would give wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of him gathering and collecting only for him to give it to the one that pleases God. And that's where we get the scripture, the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Wisdom. Now, wisdom, when you talk about wisdom, it's not about you having a lot of gray hairs, you know. Wisdom's not all, it's not about gray hairs. <laughs> no disrespect to those who have gray hairs. I've got gray hairs. But that's not what it's about. There's the godly wisdom. And there's the wisdom of the world. And that's why the book of James tells us. It says, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. Humility. It says, but if you have bitter envy and you're self-seeking in your heart, it says, do not boast and lie about the truth. This wisdom does not come from above, but it is earthly, it is fleshly, and it is demonic. It says, for where there is envy and self-seeking, there's also confusion and there's every evil thing. But the wisdom that is from above 
is what? It's pure, it's peaceful, peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, it's full of mercy, it's of good fruits, and it's without partiality and hypocrisy. That is the wisdom of God. So what are we talking about today? Wisdom. The true wisdom of God. The Bible tells us if anyone lacks wisdom, what should he do? Ask of him. The one who gives without reproach, without holding back. And he said he will give it to us. The Bible says up till now you have asked nothing. Ask so that your joy will be full. You know, church, we're going into another year. What's your desire for next year? What's your desire from today going forth? Clarity. A 2020 vision. For us to be able to see well before we make judgments. The Bible says... The wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one does what? It tears it down. If we want one for, for the men, Proverbs 3.13 in the NKJV version says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. And the man who gains understanding. The man who finds wisdom. So what does that tell us? You need to find it. And how do you find it? By studying to show yourself approved unto God. The only way you can find it is to search the word of God. And that's why I so much love the Berean Christians. They heard the word and they went home and they picked up the same word and they searched it themselves to see. I might be quoting something here, you know, off the top of my head. If you don't write it down, if you don't search it, how do you know that I have not taken things out of context? How do you know that I have not quoted the right scripture but included words into it? Even though I know Apostle Paul said, whoever adds and whoever takes away, let him be accursed. But there are people out there that do it. So the only way that we know that what we've heard is the word of God. It's for us to go back and search those words, to search the scripture, and to pray those scriptures over our lives. It says, joyful is the person who finds wisdom. Whichever version you pick up, you need to find it. And when you find wisdom, it will keep you. It will guide you. 
So our prayer today is that the wisdom of God will take first place in our lives. You know, I was trying to, to think where does it go on, on, on the list of, you know, our Christian work. When you get saved, you need the wisdom of God to walk in the salvation of your life. Wisdom. 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 If you don't take anything away from today, I want us to take that away. Wisdom is spiritual clarity. What area of your life do you need answers for? What area? Someone at work said to me the other day, he's a Christian and his wife, my wife got three job offers at the same time. She doesn't know which one to pick. Wisdom. Ask God. Ask God. There's a situation in my home. How do I deal with it? Wisdom. There's a situation with my children. The fact that you say nothing initially does not mean you're not concerned or does not mean you're not going to deal with it. There's a time. Wisdom. Clarity. 2020 vision. I once went to work and I left my reading glasses at home. It was not a pleasant day. And especially if you work in finance and you're dealing with figures, you soon find that you, you look at an eight and you think it's a six. So can you imagine if you're reconciling accounts and you put the wrong figure in? At one point, I used two screens. I pulled those two screens closer to me. And the guy that sits next to me said, Oh, are you that old? I said, no, I left my glasses at home. By 10 o'clock, my head was pounding. Why was that? I could not see clearly. By lunchtime, I was ready to go home. Then I started praying, Lord, I need clarity. I need to be able to see what I'm doing. Because if I left at lunchtime, then I don't get paid for the rest of the day. <laughs> but God was faithful. I prayed and God gave me clarity for the rest of the day. Let God be our first resort, not our last resort. When we don't know what to do, we know what to do because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And that's why the Bible says, I do not know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit gives me utterance.
He gives me enlightenment. Let him be the first person we go to. How do I deal with this situation? Now, would it happen overnight? No. But the minute you determine in your heart that God would be your first result and not last result, that you would ask for wisdom, you would get better and better and better. Rome was not built in a day. And spiritually, we progress. The things I used to do, I do them no more. There's a great change. Let there be a progression of our walk with God. When we walk in the wisdom of God, amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. It happened for Solomon. And God is no respecter of persons. What he did for Solomon, he will do for you. Only ask. Only ask. Ask so that your joy may be full. Let your joy be full by asking. Ask for wisdom. Ask for clarity. Ask for that 2020 spiritual vision. And the Lord will give it to you. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.